When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. This is the Hip Hop Save My Life podcast. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Let's sit back because it's time for the podcast. Welcome to Hip Hop Save My Life. Holy fucking shit. Are we excited today? We are. Huh, Rupert? It's been a while. For two man. reasons. Trying to for get two this, reasons. Getting this going for a while. Yeah. For two reasons. First reason, what day is it today, Rupert? It's July the 29th. Okay. And what is so special about July the 29th, Rupert? I don't know. You tell me. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> Do you know what? He's not stopped talking about this before we start this fucking record. As soon as I've teed him up for it, it's, no. it's your birthday, it's, isn't it? It is my birthday. I made it. 47. Yeah. Yeah, that's the... Still going. Have you achieved everything you hoped you were going to achieve by 47? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think... Okay, yeah, well, that's good. A couple, of, that's a couple good. of bits still to go, but yeah. What have you got left to do? Uh, I want to go to Japan. That's it. Cool. That feels sort of eminently doable. It is doable, Is yeah. that something you've wanted to do your entire life? It is, yeah. I've okay. just been putting it off. How long are you going to go for, do you think? I don't know. Like a little travel around, a couple you of months. Okay, a couple of months. Mm. All right, cool, mm. cool, 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 cool. Mm. Uh, well, look, happy birthday from all thanks, of us mate. here at Hip Hop Safe. And thanks for that, that ticket to Japan. That's such a generous gift. <laughs> no problem. Uh, absolutely no problem. Yeah, you're right with going on your own. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know you've got. I know you've got a family. But <laughs> yeah, listen, yeah. A, dream, a dream's a dream. <laughs> you know. But almost well, more exciting, less exciting, as more, exciting. More. You, more, more for the guests. More yeah. exciting than that. Mm. Our guest. We've been trying to make this. Happened for a long, long time. I'd say since we started this thing. Since we started, it's absolutely correct. It's the one, the only, Nish Kumar. Hello, mate. Hi, guys. Hello. Nice to see you. Very gentle, really enjoy- gentle intro there. Really, oh. really enjoying Ramesh <laughs> trying to pretend to be excited to be on a Zoom call with me. Like, really. <laughs> it's it, it the way he feels- said your name, I think. Yeah, it's yeah. the way he said my name. It genuinely feels like the exertion of doing that introduction <laughs> is going to need- result in Ramesh needing to have a nap for half an hour. I, 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 reckon, I reckon we're going to send that off and our editor James is going to go, Ramesh, you've got to fucking be We need a little pick-up. Why, <laughs> why don't we give him a pick-up? now why don't we give them another option yeah. now we're absolutely buzzing to have a look at the <laughs> why, why, why why rubbish well well one of the best comedians in the country if not the world there we go host of the soon to be returning mash which i believe it's called late night mash when it returns i am absolutely buzzing it's your friend and mine the inimitable the indefinable 
the unparalleled Nish fucking Kuma. Huh? And that'll That's have great. loads of music playing under it. There'll yeah, be like yeah. explosions. Yeah, yeah. And there'll be sort of cheering yeah, and yeah. clapping in the background yeah, yeah. as well. Like they'll they'll dub the audio in from the people watching <laughs> Avengers Endgame. They'll dub that in. <laughs> and everybody will absolutely be going off. Um, um, it's lovely to see you both. It's a pleasure to be you here. Too, you too. How's life treating you, Nish? I guess you heard the news about MASH a while ago. Yeah. So um, how how's the announcement gone down? The announcement's gone down uh, pr- uh, like pretty fine, I think. I mean, listen, at a certain point, <laughs> my friend was asking me, "Are you like worried about the negative? Like, what you know, there'll be some blowback." The show, what, not, what has- a great friend. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> straight in with that. <laughs> the show, the show has had, shall we say, a contentious existence uh, in the four or so years that it's been around for, and. Um, at a certain point, you're like, they just have to copy and paste the articles. Like, there's no oh. new ways for them to be furious about it. And actually, uh, it's been the announcement has been great. So we, yesterday, they uh, confirmed that it's um, it's coming back, and we released a short little advert for it. And I it's like that back. advert. Yeah, it's great. great, really good. Thanks very much. Uh, it turns out Dave are very happy for you to shit on Dave. That's what I in was. The su- adverts. You know, I was They're surprised very by happy that. with it. Yeah, <laughs> sort of, sort I was really so, amazed that you got yeah. away with that. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> They were really, they, they had a real, really good sense of humour about us shitting on Dave. But often they're like, advertising campaigns are like, Dave, even we thought this was going to be shit. <laughs> Which, you can't keep doing that forever, though, can you? Yeah, yeah. It just, but anyway, it feels like a good, uh, it feels like a, a good place for the show to be. Um, so, yes, I'm very excited. Do you know, uh, the, one, the thing about Dave that I hadn't realised um, when I did Judge Romesh was that, that, was that Dave go big on public transport advertising. And so I got into a thing where I couldn't get on a fucking train without being sat in the same carriage as me in a judge's outfit. (laughs) Got sat staring out. It just looked so narcissistic. Just kept feeling like people walking in thinking I'd pick to the carriage deliberately. Just sit under the sign. Whenever Um, there was a new series, when Taskmaster was on, Dave, whenever there'd be a new series of Taskmaster, it'd be nice because you'd sort of get on the train and be like, there's all my friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There they all are. And that one prick. (laughs) Dressed as a judge, weirdly, still. (laughs) I mean, obviously, we're we're here to talk about hip-hop, but the thing that I always find amazing about you, apart from the comedy and the hosting and and just being a great guy, is is how robust you are. Because I look at some of the the shit you have got, and I look at the, the way that, that people sort of single you out for for abuse. And I just think it feels, when I see it, it just feels unbearable. And you sort of handle it with good humour. And I don't know how, I don't know how that feels internally, but certainly you look like you're you're taking it all in your stride to a degree. I mean, is that how how far is that true? I mean, is it, has it been difficult to process all of that? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's I think I think that if you do the type of comedy that I do, you're aware that you're sort of poking a hornet's nest. You know, if you're talking about politics, and and this is a particularly febrile time to be talking about politics and doing uh, stuff in the news. But the good thing is that there are, you know, lots of people check in on me. I I don't I don't wish to break the illusion because you and I have quite a solid record of in public maintaining that we don't like each other. But, <laughs> 
you know, people like you do check in on me. Do you remember you took me for lunch after the Lord's Tavernus game? Yeah, just to make sure that I <laughs> just to make sure that I wasn't planning on the, like leaving show business entirely. Um, so, so you know, you got a very supportive community around you and some professional help from uh, <laughs> from a therapist. Yeah, and it, you have if you have all of that, you can sort of manage it. But I think, oh, I think. The big thing is that you go into it slightly prepared for um, for there to be some blowback. But there are times where, you know, there are things like last November, I'm just sat in my house and suddenly I get a text message being like, uh-oh, Telegraph's so mad at you. And it was because they were reporting on something about the BBC's no longer going to have left-wing comedy shows. Yeah. And for absolutely no apparent reason whatsoever, my, uh, I'm the face. Well, we all know the reason why I'm the face of all of those articles, and it begins with a B and ends in a brown. But <laughs> it's, it, so it's sometimes it's easier to process when you've done something, and then people are reacting to that. And obviously, racist abuse, threats of violence, death threats—that stuff is not okay, and is something that you know it requires a certain amount of assistance and the people my agents and the people that I have around me are very good at insulating me from that where they can. But then there are other times where you're like, like there's a section of the right-wing press that I, I have the relationship to it that I have to my athlete's foot. Like just every so often there's a flare-up. Yeah. <laughs> like, and you, 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 you won't even have done anything. Yeah. Just like the weather changed and suddenly I've got to buy a foot spray. You know, like it's... It's so bad. And like last February, my uh, in February this year, my agent phoned me, and we had already know we'd been given the information that the match was not coming back on the BBC. And in February, my agent phoned me at like seven o'clock, which is not her. Like she's very, she tries really hard to make sure that we only communicate in work hours because it's very easy in this line of work to never end the working mm. day because you know people work in the day, we work in the evening. When she called me at seven, I was like, "This is this is not going to be good news. <laughs> the, 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 I'm not going to pick up this phone yeah. call, and she's going to be like, you 'You've been awarded the Nobel Prize for being a laugh.' Like <laughs> I genuinely like I did. They didn't even they had they hadn't had it before, and now they'd introduced the Nobel Prize for being an absolute laugh. And I answered the phone, and she was like, "Okay." And I was like, "Well, that's immediately a bad sign." Uh, if, when somebody starts a phone call with okay um, and she was like the Sun have just written an article that saying that the BBC got rid of you because of left-wing political bias and stuff and you're like I, I haven't even done anything so I think sometimes it, it's easier to process when people are reacting to something that has actually happened but you know there's an extent to which like a lot of the comedians I grew up idolizing a lot of the comedians we grew up idolizing were people who ended up causing some stink or another so yeah, yeah, yeah. you know in a sense it's like sort of goes with the territory there's a part of you that kind of when it gets really extreme you sort of detach yourself a bit, don't you like well if somebody yeah. really says something horrendous to me on social media you sort of become immunized from it because you just think this person's obviously like really fucking yeah, unhinged yeah, yeah. or they've got some issues or whatever um but like you know i remember i did a thing on the Ranga Nation where i just talked about Black Lives Matter and people talking about All Lives Matter. And I just did a, a really quick thing on that. Just one instance in the Rangan Nation where we sort of talked about something as kind of, um, uh, as, as sort of challenging as that. 
And somebody got in touch with me and said they were going to, this guy got in touch with me and said, I'm going to find your address and I'm going to end your life, is, is, is the message he sent me. But then I looked on his Facebook, because I thought maybe we could be friends once we get past this. And <laughs> um, and, 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 you're always trying to like, you're always trying to bulk out the numbers. Of your yeah, absolutely, party, absolutely, yeah. Um, and he was just such a regular looking family guy. And I just thought, this is so yeah. fucking mad. This bloke looks like like a nice bloke. Do you know what I mean? It was so crazy to me. My favourite one of those, because obviously when it's Facebook, you can see more information. My favourite yeah. one was when a guy sent me a message being like, get the fuck out of my country. If you think that this, if you think that it's acceptable to say this about Britain and the British government and Brexit, then you need to get the fuck out of my country. And I clicked on his profile and he lives in Spain. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Amazing. Well, listen, congrats, man. I, I'm, I'm really happy it's coming back. Um, Thanks very much. Wicked. The fact that it created such a... As such a stink is is reason in itself for it to come back, man. Right. <laughs> Here's a little bit that we like to call. How did you get into hip hop? So anyway, uh, Nish, I've known for a long time. We've known for a long time that you're a hip hop fan. Uh, yes. How did you kind of get into it? What's uh what, what's your journey into hip hop? Well, Robert, I'll answer that very simply <laughs> by saying I am a South Asian man who grew up in England. In the 1990s, it is—it is like <laughs> just a thing, right? I mean, I mean what? <laughs> here's here's my grandest theory, right? Here's okay, my grandest theory. The thing is that when people get angry about white people, no offense, Rupert. No, no, okay. When yeah. white people talk, people talk about white people culturally appropriating, particularly culturally appropriating from black culture. I'm always like, mm, yeah, that is bad. But in my head, I'm like, uh oh. Oh boy, are we in trouble as a community. <laughs> Let me tell you something. In the 1990s, South Asian kids, we were the uh, we were the original cultural appropriators. Mate, absolutely. The originators of of the Ali G uh, mentality, yeah. man. Like 100%. That's absolutely man. right. You, when when Goodness Gracious Me did the there's a Goodness Gracious Me sketch with these two characters called the Bangra Muffins. Yes. Who were two young South Asian yeah. guys. Kiss my chuddies, man. Yeah, and they say kiss my chuddies. And everything, their identity is a sort of cobbled together mixture of Indian slang and references to Jamaican culture. Yeah. Yeah. That was exactly the idea. I guess because there were, you know, until things like Goodness Gracious Me. And like the proliferation of like a band like the Asian Dub Foundation, until those things started happening, there was really no popular cultural conception of what a South Asian was supposed to be like, right? No. And so there's a generation one up from us, maybe had to sort of invent an identity that was like half based on things they overheard their parents say, and either reggae music or rap music. Yeah. And so my contention now is white people. Not only are white people culturally appropriating, they're culturally appropriating cultural appropriation <laughs> from us. Perfect blend. We are, yeah. we are the OG cultural appropriators. For example, that sentence I literally just said. <laughs> I, 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 remember, I remember somebody saying to me, uh, like, when I was like a teenager, somebody saying to me, I don't know what it is about Asian guys. They either, they either behave like white people or they behave like black people. And I was just thinking... I don't know. I sort of, sort of, you sort of think, well, what the fuck? I don't know how the fuck I'm supposed to behave. Like, to, what, what is? What does that even there, mean? But this is the thing: there was no sense of how, what an Asian person was, what a British Asian person was supposed to be. I know. Like. I know. There's no. There's no thing, right? So you just sort of go around getting this hodgepodge of stuff, and then yeah, 
Oh God, it's just awful. It's, it's and difficult. Al- and also, it's why. And just, I, I don't mean to kill the vibe uh, so early on the podcast, but I think we all knew at some point I was going to slightly kill the vibe. Mm. That's what I do. I'm a professional vibe assassin. Yeah. But um, it's why I have such. I have I have no tolerance for any racism, but I have really no tolerance for anti-black racism in South Asian communities. Oh my and god, it's so prevalent and disgusting. It is insane, right? And it's something that I don't I don't know how much is being talked about. But like this oh. thing, like I remember when when I used to really be so into. Well, I'm no no less into hip hop now than I was. Yeah. There, but I properly dressed like like properly mm. dressed like almost like I was trying to pass. Do you know what I mean? As, as, a, as a black guy. Like, do you know what I mean? It's like proper, properly dressed. And I'd go into shops or go somewhere with my friends or go. And, and some of my mate's parents would think that I was a black guy because I wouldn't know yeah. where I was from. And then they would say racist shit about me in Gujarati to their, to their kids. And then they'd come out and laugh about it because they just expect their parents to not like black people or to have a thing about black people. Do you know what I mean? And it's just... It's so fucking prevalent. And I always found it so mad because you sort of go to a club or you go to a party, you go to a gig, and you think, this is fucking rammed full of South Asian people. Yeah. Yeah, they're sort of acceptable in this context of being entertained. Do you know what I mean? But then outside of that, they're they're all criminals or you're worried about what's going to happen to you if you're around. Do you know what I mean? It's fucking insane, man. Insane. 100%. All racism is incomprehensible and insane. But for some, that, the yeah. anti black racism in South Asian communities, and I believe it's a problem in the States as well, but we know is a big problem in Britain, is yeah. absolutely unfathomable. So, yeah, when I was a kid, like all Asian kids listened to rap music to yeah. some extent. And, like, yeah. I remember getting a friend of mine, like, recording onto tape. Uh, a CD of the uh, it was one of those do you remember there was a period where they would just do these like double CDs that were like the best yeah. uh, hip hop the best something in the world ever Yeah, and there was one that was like the best hip hop or rap album in the world ever it was a compilation that had Rapper's Delight um, I think I think Three is a Magic Number was on there Mr. Wendell was definitely on there by Arrested <laughs> Development such a patronising song. Definitely Will Smith. Yeah. yeah. When he goes, have a dollar. No, in fact, here, have two. Two dollars doesn't mean anything to me, but it means a big deal. So you want to go fuck yourself? Yeah, give me ten. Here, have a dollar. In fact, no, brother man. Here, have two. Two dollars means a snack for me, but it means a big deal to you. Be strong, serve God only. Know that if you do, beautiful heaven awaits. As to pull my rope for the first time, I saw a man with no clothes, no money, no plate, Mr. Wendell. That's his name. Yeah. No I, I, I want to hear a rap song <laughs> from the perspective of Mr. Wendell. <laughs> <laughs> it's so awful. And I remember like, at the time listening, going, yeah, that's really good. I think I'm going to go give $2 to this homeless guy in Crawley. They really patronise him as well. About what a big deal it is. But also, um, I was listening to the Sugar Hill Gang, uh, you know, um, uh, Regulate by Warren G. Yeah. Uh, I got five on it by Loonies, which again, nice. one of the great things about um, us, the Jordan Peele movie, is the like revisiting of I got five on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. That was I absolutely loved it. That the weird like horror movie oh, remix works, of, yeah. of that song, it works so well.
is it that makes that such a genius move? Is it the nostalgia of it? And then the way they've managed to make it so haunting, it's just, it was oh. so good. I think it's a double whammy, isn't it? Because I think even if you had no prior knowledge of that song, the, 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 like, the keyboard sound is, is really spooky and yeah. unsettling. Mm. Um, but obviously, if you have a nostalgic fondness for it, there's a kind of double whammy of that. Mm. Um, but the real reason I wanted the tape was because it had um, Gangster's Paradise on. Mm. Gangster's, Gangster's Paradise. Paradise. Coolio featuring LV. As I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I take a look at my life and realize there's nothing left. Because I've been blasting and laughing so long that even my mama thinks that my mind is gone. But I ain't never crossed a man that didn't deserve it. Me be treated like a punk, you know that's unheard of. You better watch how you're talking and where you're walking. Or you and your homies might be lying in chalk. I really hate the Coolio fan or just a, a fan of that tune? I was a Coolio fan. And let me tell you something. I owned Gangster's Paradise on single, CD oh. single, and CD album. Well done. Big Coolio fan. Yeah, how could you I, not? I, uh, I met him outside a club in Notting Hill when that when that was like number one. And I was like, I'm going to go oh, over. Really? I'm going to go over. I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to say how, how much I love him. All I did is just stand next to him and say, Gangster's Paradise. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> you can get away with it. He's like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> Yeah, well done. Yeah, yeah. good. <laughs> he yeah, never good. forgot that. Yeah, well done. You, <laughs> you win. Oh, uh, Gangster's Paradise. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's nice around here, isn't it? You could almost say it's a bit of a... Yeah, would you call this a Gangster's Paradise? Gangster's Paradise. Oh, can you just fuck off, off mate? <laughs> I, I mean, I know Notting Hill was like moderately sketchier in the mid nineties yeah. than it is now, but still, even by the mid nineties, Notting Hill was no, no Gangster's Paradise. Never. Apparently, you apparently, the only reason they were allowed to use um, Stevie Wonder's song on that was uh, if they promised not to swear. Is that oh, true? Wow. Yeah, and apparently that's why Coolio's wow. verses. Although, thinking about it, that might be an urban myth because I don't remember Coolio being particularly kind of... Uh, I don't remember Fantastic Voyage being particularly blue. Do you? <laughs> yeah, he's never a sweary guy. What? I don't remember there being a huge amount of F-bombs in I'll See When You Get There from the, from the, from the Nothing To Lose soundtrack. Oh, do you know what? That, that, it's so sad, isn't it? When, 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 it's not sad. I get why somebody would do it. It's like Gangster's Paradise is smashed. Yeah. So I'm going to do songs with catchy hooks like that. And then all of a yeah, sudden yeah. everything became like that. And you just said, oh, God. Coolio is <laughs> basically a guest artist on his own records. Yeah. <laughs> It's just so brilliant. But that uh, Dangerous Mind, yeah. that is uh, that was Michelle Pfeiffer turning the oh, yeah, chair around to connect yeah. with an inner city community. Wearing yeah. a leather jacket. Oh, so good. It sort of invented a subgenre of, you know, now the trope of the patronising school teacher that turns their chair around to talk to street kids. <laughs> it's like a sort of acceptable, like, joke format. Mm. It was so good because you just sort of think, I don't know what Michelle Pfeiffer's done any different here, but for some reason these kids are responding to her in a different way. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as, I can, as far as I can tell, she's behaving almost exactly how she was when she first arrived. But, but they've just changed their mind about her. <laughs> is this your, you then watching Dangerous Minds through the lens of someone who taught for a 10 Yeah, years? that's what got you into teaching. <laughs> no, but the thing is, I went through Dangerous Minds, man. Like, not obviously not to that scale, but I remember, like, I was teaching at a, a school that was outstanding, like, Ofsted rated outstanding, and then I thought I want to go do something a bit more kind of worthy. So I went yeah. to this school that just come out of special measures. And, like, the it was so funny. I remember the first day walking across the school, like, school playground, 
And I remember thinking to myself, right, okay, you know, be calm. You're not shouting at kids. These kids are from, a t you know, tough backgrounds, blah, blah. Turn the chair around. This, yeah, yeah. This kid, this kid was riding his bike across the playground. And you're not supposed to do that. And I just went, hey, mate, uh, just so you know, you've got to walk your bike when you walk through the playground. He just looked at me and he said, fuck off. <laughs> and then just rode off. And I thought, oh, this is... <laughs> This is going to be slightly trickier than I first anticipated. <laughs> the kid, the kid goes fuck off, walk away, and you just go. Tell me why so that's... blind to see. And all the kids ran out, and that's when it. That's when he turned it round. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he truly was an educated fool with money. And on that his was mind. just on the day one. <laughs> yeah, that was day one. That was my first morning. <laughs> I, I hadn't even taught my first lesson at that point. <laughs> What was the turning point, though, genuinely? Yeah. What? At that school? Yeah, yeah. For, yeah. You, for you and getting there. Or is there no turning well, point? No, there like, is no turning point. I'm a comedian. No, no, no. There was, yeah, the turning point is yeah. I'm now doing a hip hop podcast. That was, that was... <laughs> You've got the heartwarming story of the teacher who went to a school and then realised it was too tough, so turned his life correct, around. Correct. Literally left after one academic year. <laughs> Safe minds. What a movie. I actually turned the chair back around to sit on it normally. Nice. <laughs> So what sort of stuff were you listening to when you uh, when you started off? What, what, what sort of artist? To be honest, if people ask me what I really think of as being the first rap album sound, I will always say the score. So the score, that Fuji's album, mm. I thought was absolutely incredible. Yeah. And um, I haven't listened to it in a long time. Yeah, I was, and I I I was, just, I was just thinking, as you said that, I've got it on now. Yeah, should we all? <laughs> okay, let's just, take, let's, just take a, let's just take a pause. It'll be about an um, hour of us having a listening party. <laughs> no, record it, that's the podcast. Oh, that's a good tune, I don't remember that one. Yeah. Yeah, in saloons we drink rules and battle rules to high move us. Rap tunes on flat spoons, take those shorts like poo poos. See Gucci's pop Gucci's for Gucci's and Lucci. Find me in my Mitsubishi eating sushi, bumping Fuji's. Hey, 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 try to take the crew and we don't play play. Say, 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 like Paul McCartney, not hardly on. I can see right through your mouth. Niggas huffing, they puff, but they can't handle us. And then I got the Miseducation of Lauren Hill, which I do listen to all the time. Yeah. Uh, and um, the Miseducation of Lauren Hill, I think, probably came out when I was 13. And I think that was the first time I understood that an album could be something that wasn't, you didn't just make five singles and then five mm. slightly worse songs that sounded like the singles <laughs> and then release that as an album. Yeah, you know, and like the skits weren't just you clearly stoned with three of your friends, and yeah. actually had some like uh, contributed to like an overall, yeah, a sense of like either a narrative or a series of overarching themes that bound the album. It's, it's amazing how they made a lot less effort when we had to pay sixteen quid for the CD. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I listen to rappers now and I'm like, you guys are trying way too hard. Oh, but... you really, but you're trying to make this like a cohesive project. Don't bother. <laughs> Just like do a thing where you press record while you're watching a cartoon or something, Stone. <laughs> and then put that on. So that, yeah, then that, after Miseducation of Lauren Hill, I was like, okay, this is definitely something different and then for a long time i went down a completely different musical route and got really into bob dylan and Jimi hendrix right. and like uh, late 60s stuff and then got very into marvin gay and stevie wonder those like early 70s albums a lot of them ended up you know being sampled mm. for various hip-hop songs uh, but 
the uh, like a lot of that early 70s stuff and then the thing that brought me back around into rap music and it was, it was quite a sort of organic journey in the end was outcast right and when uh speaker box and the love below came out i immediately you looked at andre 3000 and you're like oh this is the you can draw a straight line that runs from little richard through to Jimi hendrix through to prince through to andre 3000 like there's there's a kind of there's a sort of thematic overlap to all of them and i got that double album and i i couldn't believe how good it was mm. like it completely that that double album completely blew my mind did you like speaker box as well as the love below yeah i love them both mm. i, I <laughs> we've done both done terrible gigs at Oxford and Cambridge balls, right? Mm. That's a, yeah. it's a specific type Dream. of appalling comedy. It's yeah. it's awful. It's absolutely heinous. And you only go either because they pay you a load of money, or because when I went in two thousand and ten, they gave us free entry to the ball, and me and my friend were like, "We are going to eat and drink our money's worth," and we did. <laughs> um, but at one of the balls, and like you were already there being like, you know what, oh, fuck all of you people. But one of the people said, oh, last week we had uh, the shit one from Outcast. And I was like, oh my wow. God. How dare you? Mm, that is fucking unacceptable. Yeah, it was absolutely unacceptable. And uh, I luckily I'd had a few vodkas. And so I made my, my opinion. You made your case. Defended it. Yeah. But yeah, I, I just thought that they were both incredible. I mean, the love below is you know him at his princiest yes um, I, I always think you know obviously now with little nas x and well I, little nas x i guess is at the forefront of that kind of and uh, yeah and tyler the creator and people like that you know yeah. sh- you know pushing the boundaries of of what's acceptable imagery wise in hip-hop yeah. uh, but andre 3000 like that guy is brave do you know what i mean yeah. I, I, know, I know that you accept it now that that's andre's look but there is a time yeah. when he, he came out like that for the first time as yeah. a member yeah. of a rap group. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's amazing. I always think that sort of that sort of courage to be so authentically yourself in the face of what yeah. could have been, it, that could have gone badly for him. Do you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? It, it really could have gone absolutely gone. appallingly for him. And it kind of did at points. Like, one of the things that I got fixated on, you know, in lock, we've all had a lot of time in lockdown. Sure. And there are things that you become drawn to obsessively reading about. And I... <laughs> spent a lot of time watching in its entirety because I think it's all available on YouTube uh, and reading about the 1995 Source Awards. Like <laughs> that, that was day I, one of lockdown. Yeah. That was like <laughs> one hour just, in. As soon as he found out. <laughs> shop, shops, are, shops are closed. Uh, okay. <laughs> 1995, here we come. I've been putting this up for a while. <laughs> I think the reason was that I listened to the Slow Burn podcast about Biggie and Tupac, which is a great... The Slow Burn podcasts are all good. But they were talking about, you know, the 1995 Source Awards as being this kind of, you know, this moment where the East Coast, West Coast Mm. thing, like it was sort of playing out in these sort of very elaborate, like stage show things. it's, It's why it's funny that people found... Andre so difficult to deal with because there is a tremendous sense of camp yes. to a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, there really <laughs> is. They're totally it's like this sort of high camp theatre. And I sort of had this. I had this very specific memory of Outcast being booed, and it was all in the same year. And so you have at the Source Awards this whole thing, this whole like 
East Coast and West Coast, like Suge Knight versus then the then Puff Daddy, mm. and this sort of clash of these two styles of rap music. And then kind of in the middle of all of it, you have the Wu-Tang Clan performing, <laughs> and you have Outkast being booed on stage wow. to accept the award for best new artist. And Andre is wearing a purple tie-dye dashiki <laughs> when he goes up to take to take the stage. And it is extraordinary footage because they, they're just all being booed. It's like the one thing that seems to unite the East Coast and the West Coast. <laughs> is that, That's what yes, stopped it, yeah. Yeah, exactly. We fundamentally hate each other. But the only thing we hate more than that are these Southern pricks. How did, how did he respond? Like, did he, how did they respond to that noise? You can see. Also, you forget they're all like they're like yeah. twenty three yeah. or something. Yeah. They're so young. Yeah. But you can see on the way up to Andre walking up to the stage. You're like, you can see he's not going to go there and try and ingratiate himself. And he basically, I mean, not in so many words, but he basically tells them all to go fuck themselves. And he ends his speech by saying, uh, you know, I know you guys have got a lot of stuff going on, but the South's got something to say. Oh, just and it's proper like, in. it's like, when he says the South's got something to say, it's like proper like goosebumps. Yeah. yeah and yeah. you know, then from there, you know, they like Southern playlistic Cadillac music is like, is very Southern and very stylized, but it still exists in a lot of the like recognizable like idioms of rap music that existed at the time. But then their response to being booed mm. is to make AT aliens and be like, fine. Yeah. Black rights in space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and basically to go like full George Clinton, yeah. Parliament, Funkadelic, yeah. and to draw on the sort of um, science fiction tradition of black American music and make AT aliens and just, you know, they get on elevators and just fly off into space. Mm. And I think like the, the courage that that takes, it's sort of how art forms get moved on. You know, mm. they don't- a Absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and particularly in hip hop where, particularly at that time, when actually mm. there was a homogeneity to, to, to most hip hop where yeah. they were just sort of, you, you know, the irony of sort of saying keeping it real and all that was actually sort of keeping it identical, you know, to, yeah. to how everybody else is doing it or whatever. And so for somebody to do it differently was, it really does take guts. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I don't know if you remember, but in the in the in the in the States and in the UK, there was a snobbery to Southern hip hop. People were just like, yeah. what is this? Their accents are different. 
the influences are different. And I remember like, you know, when, when Lil Wayne and all that came out, I mean, Master P, you know, yeah, I, I don't know if there are any Master P fans out there, but you know, he's unarguably shit, but you know, but, but, <laughs> but, but, that was, that was a real, uh, that was a real left turn in that. You started out being so magnanimous. Yeah, yeah. I, don't know, guys, I don't know if there's anyone to a Master P fan, but uh, you're fundamentally wrong and you need to change all, I, I, you need I, to change all of your opinions. I respect, I respect his work ethic and you know what he did and everything, but um, that's, that's, that's the kind of thing that people say about me on Twitter. <laughs> Weirdly, Master P said it about you. I respect his work ethic and you know what he looks like he's having a great time yeah don't you know what he really looks you know fair play he's finding something to do with his time and well done rather that he's finding something to do with his time yeah but I remember like people just you know being genuinely generally kind of snobby about it and I don't want to hear that it took a while for people to accept Southern hip hop as, yeah. as a proper thing, you know? And um, I think, you know, I, I was lucky enough to chat to um, to run the jewels like, a few years ago. And I was talking to him about all of that. And Killer Mike was still like, still feels like there's a legacy of that kind of- uh, Wow, that's Slight kind of oh. sense of superiority when it comes to hip hop from that part of the country, you know? But they, they also wouldn't, Outclass didn't really pretend that they were from anywhere else. You know, no. like not only did they flag up by calling albums ATLians and, you know, really explicitly flagging up where they're from, they would, like, lead into their... Uh, what I'm thinking of is, me and your daughter! <laughs> like, that, like, they would properly, yeah. like, lean into yeah. the, the Southern accents. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's stuff on there. I, I, I still think ghetto music from Speakerbox, uh, it's, it must, oh, it's, oh, nearly, nice. it's nearly 20 years old now. It still sounds. You still never expect the Patti LaBelle sample. No, like it it's just still kind of that song will forever sound like it's from the future. Yeah, that's right. Huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I, I just can't imagine a time when you listen to that and go, "This is this old." Let's go, when, what the fuck is this, first of all? Hot tub, bad to the pony, I'm Tony. Ask my grandmama, enemy, kid, but she showed me how to be the smooth operator, dominator, interstate of Georgia. Hip-hop standard destroyer. Leave a motherfucker open like a foyer. He from the dirty, now here come the paranoia. A lawyer could object the disrespect, the technique, sweat, me, wipe off the sweat. Fight all the shit, then flush the waist down. The pipes of my life flow deep into the ground. Find my purpose on the surface of this earth. This planet standard to us, they have the purpose. Campaign in vain for the same lame fame you've obtained. You ought to be detained by the hip-hop chair. Locked up, nobody. Of getting out because the shit you make is killing me. And, my and Big Boy, and my it's campaign in vain for the same lame thing you've obtained. You ought to be detained by the hip hop sheriff. Like that, to me, is like if you're going to tell people to go fuck themselves, yeah, yeah. and the medium in which you're choosing to do that is lyrical, yeah. you better be that articulate and mm. that dexterous. Yeah. I, I think about that run of lines all the time. And, and I also think the one, often the song that I've listened to, if I'm listening to one song from The Love Below, is. Because again, what a Princey album. There's soul elements to it. There's Hendrix in it. There's Beatles in it, you know, and the way that they, the Hey Yard video with the sort of Ed Sullivan show referencing. But A Life in the Day of Benjamin Andre over a very, very spare beat and bass line, it's, it, it, he sort of has to remind you that he is the greatest rapper of all time. Mm. <laughs> yeah, like Andre, yeah, yeah. he sort of has to remind you. And he does it by delivering. The kind of his life story with absolutely no frills or anything, um, and 
it's that, that song is kind of extraordinary storytelling. Yeah, I mean, he is amazing. And also, he is somebody that does do amazing work on his features as well. Yeah. So, yeah. so you, then you get to a point where you sort of think, well, I think I'm an Andre fan. And then suddenly you hear this verse and you think, hold on a minute. I think yeah, I, yeah. Thought I'd, I thought I'd heard everything these guys have done. What's going on? Yeah. And then you discover that he's delivered one of his best ever career verses huh. on somebody else's song, man. It's, uh, it's, um, it's What mad. I absolutely love is that Frank Ocean, who I adore, uh, will make these albums where he will have, you know, he'll like sample, like Beyonce sampled on uh, Pink and White on Blonde. Yeah. And it's you have to listen oh. for it to hear where it is because it's she's so strangely in the mix that you can't obviously if somebody else had Beyonce in a song like the album would be called Beyonce's on yeah. one of these songs yeah. we, <laughs> managed the to, album we, we got to permission the from Beyonce as long as we didn't and, swear yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> and Frank Ocean like has her like all over in the mix but on Channel Orange and Blonde there is just one moment where he clears the entire, stops the entire album mm. and lets Andre 3000 yeah. do something. And the solo reprise rap on Blonde is just unbelievable. Yeah. It's absolutely incredible. And it also does that, in that incredible thing where he does the rhyme with the first syllable of a word and then finishes the second. Like that, the way that he, you know, that I was under the impression that everyone wrote their own verses, like that break in the middle of a word. It's unbelievable writing. Like, it's yeah. unbelievable writing. I hate that it's like this. I feel for you, and I don't know what it's like with a skirt on. So part of me, if I am being insensitive, but darling, this only works, son. Solo my halo, say, wait, low, it feel like it's been. Solo that when they throw pussy or pesos, don't pay no attention to it. Solo that I am no rookie, but feel like a kid. Looking at the other kids with astonishment while I'm on punishment, watching the summer come close to an end. After 20 years in, I'm so naive I was under the impression that everyone wrote their own verses. It's coming back different, and yeah, that shit hurts me. I'm humming and whistling to those not deserving. I stumbled and lived every word. Was I working just way too hard? And yeah, so I got I got absolutely obsessed with them. And, you know, it's the fun of getting into somebody four or five albums in and then being able to go back and get Stankonia and uh, Equemini. Well, it's just um, great to hear you sort of talk so passionately about Andre oh. and, and the shit one as well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Daniel Simonson had been doing a free Daniel Simonson, amazing Norwegian comedian, also one of Massive arguably yeah the yeah. most incongruous hip hop fan mm. apart from me. But uh, <laughs> at the end of our Edinburgh run in 2010, we had made a hundred pounds, which I know sounds insane for a month's work, but in Edinburgh terms, it's basically made us like Rockefellers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, we basically, we could have either, and this was at a time when neither of us had particularly a huge amount of money. We were like, oh, we, should, we can just split whatever we have left. And Daniel was like, or we could go see Big Boy. And we went and saw Big Boy. That's, wow, <laughs> that's, that's what a good. cool story. That's yeah, so good. The, uh, that was what we did with the money we made from the show we did at Edinburgh. So we went to, it was just after he'd released uh, Sir Lucius Leffert, the song of Jingo Dusty. And we uh, we went to see him and he was he was absolutely great. It was so, It was so good. And like, it, it was so exciting to. It was just so exciting to be in his presence. Do you know, I um, I I was so into Outcast. I once read an interview with them where you know, uh, Big Boy is like a pit was. I don't know if he still is, like quite a uh, quite a well respected pit, pit bull dealer. Yeah, right. and um, I think they call the breeders rather than dealers. That's more for the underground. He was, uh, he was, uh, no, he was a really good, really well respected pit bull pusher. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah, was he a was dog on the, He was on the dog hustle, you know. <laughs> and um, 
And I remember reading up about pit bulls. <laughs> just sort of on the off charts that I might go to an outcast gig and they'll be able to go, yes, uh, sometimes with problems with the snout, can't you? <laughs> when, uh, when I was 20, 20 odd, my friends were obsessed with straightening. Like, if you have curly hair, people always want to straighten your uh, hair. And I genuinely thought when I straightened my hair, I would look like Andre in hair. That's great. Like, I, I genuinely thought that. And uh, I was with Ed Gamble because uh, mm. he and I were at university together. And I, I was like... Very much the outcast like, of uh, modern yeah, comedy. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which, one's, which one's big boy? <laughs> Me and Gamble. <laughs> but I, I, in my head, I was like, Pre- get ready for this. People are going to be like, this guy looks like Andre 2000. And Ed Gamble said, you look like an Indian version of Orville the Duck. And then he called me Orvinder for the rest of the week. Love it. Yeah, it wasn't uh, it wasn't my finest hour. Yeah, that was Outcast was a big one for me. And then Roots Maneuver was like the next big one where I kind of, again, it, it was probably when Awfully Deep came out. And again, you kind of go, there's three albums to listen to. Um, yeah. And I I love all the like new British rappers and I think they're brilliant. And I think the only thing that I would say is that we culturally don't give enough credit to Roots Maneuver. Mm, I agree. For I, I I for really I feel like, you know, he was distinctly British. I totally the, agree. I totally well the I mean the other thing was I you know when you talk about people moving the art form on, yeah. I feel like he really did that, you know, because mm. It, he was one of the first people, and listen, you know, I, I know that we've had UK hip hop artists and, and distinctly British UK yeah. artists b- before Roots Maneuver, but he just sort of almost sort of invented a sound. It was, I remember when I first yeah. heard it, I just thought, I don't get this, you know, like I don't get this, yeah. and that's normally a good sign, really. You don't realize it at yeah, the time, yeah. and then as soon as you get it, you just think, this guy's not, fo- he's not following anybody. He's just doing, no. he's doing his own thing so much. You know, it's, it's, uh, I totally agree with you. Like, there's, there's a song called Inner on Brand New Second Hand. And it's basically him, flat broke, trying to nick a pint. Yeah. Wow. From, like trying to distract a barmaid so that he can get away without paying for a pint. There were trendy wannabes staring in my face as I stepped to the police. I could taste their glare. Tall hair, small hair, enough shape to hair. Swinging out blabber with the coin to spare. Me, myself, I only got five quid to spend. And once I broke in this note, my pocket's on a bend. Supping on a brew so my vibe gets stirred. Feeling kind of brief as my vision is blurred. Skeets in the place, they blow my mind. I rehearse my approach and I'll peace my time. Second thoughts of last would I mean, it's some ice break. Trying to scab a pint. Yeah, you are going to hear Andre 3000 yeah, singing yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd like it to. Just but... feels, it just feels so, everything about it mm. felt so incredibly British. And Awfully Deep, a sort of, you know, a, a rap concept album about having a nervous breakdown in a big section still feels very interesting but mm. at the time particularly like in this whenever it was maybe 2003 that album came out it or 2004 it felt um revolutionary and i still i think about i think there's a line from one of, from no love where he says i'm not the best mc or the worst mc but i've got certification to prove i'm the first mc and you're like <laughs> you know he's you know he's he's right like he, yeah. he, he he's i i just feel that there isn't enough 
discussion about you know like I feel like like Boy in the like Boy in the Corner is another incredible British hip hop album, but I do feel like at least it's acknowledged as being such. Yeah, whereas and, I sort and, of feel yeah, and people talk about the shift that Dizzy affected yeah. in 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 kind of in kind of British hip hop grime, whatever. But that yeah, I agree with you. Roots Maneuver sort of doesn't get. He does. Um, he does get talked about like that when you meet someone else who's kind of on it, like, that. and then you, there's this sort of like lovely moment of recognition. We go, "Oh, you think Rich Maneuver's great?" You know, yeah, that, yeah. That, there's that. But yeah, I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. My, well, my, just as a side thing on that, Nick and a pint. When my dad first took over his pub many years ago. We were worried about what he was going to do about people nicking from the pub. Remember the yeah. first night, maybe the first week we were there. Just suddenly heard him just going, "Fuck off, you bastard!" And then we ran over to his side of the pub and he had a bloke in a headlock. <laughs> it was Roots Manoeuvre. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, he threw him out and we played Witness just as a little bit of a... Sort of commemorate, <laughs> just to commemorate the evening. Um, What's that called? Sweep? Is it called sweeping when you do that? When you just like... Sweeping mine, is... Mine sweeping. Mine, mine sweeping. sweeping is where you take... I don't think mine sweeping, technically, I don't think you can be prosecuted for theft on that because that really is like finding discarded yeah. drinks in a pub yeah. and um, and downing them. And I think, to be quite honest with you, if somebody is doing that, I think you have to, you know, yeah. enjoy. You have to get a bit of rest of development. Hey, Mr. Wendell, help yourself. Yeah, it's too. Yeah. That little piss drain <laughs> bit of beer at the bottom, it yeah, it's really means nothing to me, but it means a big deal to you. Hey, man, what's your favorite hip hop album? So, Speaker Box of Love Below is probably your favourite of all time, would you say, then? Is that the one that you go back to more often than any other? So, I would say it is a dead heat between Speaker Box and the Love Below. It's like this quite... I mean, it is difficult to pick one single album, but there are things like Three Feet High and Rising by De La Soul, yeah. always. And, and again, another group that maybe isn't quite getting the respect they deserve because there's no... There's very little of their music available on streaming because of the various rights disputes but three feet high and rising incredible telephone by no name is another yeah. I, I don't know whether that's you're, a mixtape or an album you're actually the person that, that that got me onto no name so oh really yeah so so oh. wow I, I don't know why i said that like it was like <laughs> you've won that you know that no you know that nobel prize you were fantasizing about <laughs> wow got something better for you here nish you actually recommended me a, an album so I, i'm like the guy in back to the future who calls Hey, Rummish, you know that sound you were looking for? <laughs> I think I've got it, buddy. <laughs> like, maybe I'm gonna miss you after autumn and all of the falling collars and ringers when singers hitting my telly and telly page and my beef for the reefer got me like, whoa, slow down. I need a minute for minute's sake, a dinner plate, a Casanova with catalogs of his dinner days make me feel special, J Electro soul. I need a nigga to follow me to the rabbit hole and fall in where I fall in. I'm balling, I'm on control. I'm balling, I'm on control. control, 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 control. It's a perfect album. Telephone is a perfect album. Mm. The sound is great. The it's and it feels like it's not. It's varied, but it all feels like of a piece. Like it's a really, really beautiful album. And then the other one is to Pimp Butterfly because mm. and it's something my friends made a lot of fun of me this at the time. But you know, this is 2015. I. <laughs> 
I, d- I had made sure that I didn't have any meetings the day before I came oh, out. So and I went to HMV oh. and bought it on CD. Wow. Were you thinking there might be a big queue outside as well? <laughs> and it was like, should I camp out? Yeah. Because <laughs> I still was buying everything on CD. Now I've switched to uh, vinyl. So I'm going backwards. Like yeah. eventually, I think I'm going to be on some like horse-powered wax cylinder. <laughs> like, if I keep going backwards, but, but I um, um, I used to do that a lot, right? Get really excited about albums coming out. I remember when Black yeah. Twang's first proper albums coming out, 19 long yeah. time. And we're being so excited about that. I was I was at uni at the time. And I made a big deal about going to the shop to buy the CD and everything. And I made such a big deal about it. And I and I told my girlfriend at the time I couldn't do anything else apart from going and get this album and listen to it. That her mates actually had a chat with her about about <laughs> whether she needs to sort of think about this guy. Whether she should be to, with somebody like me who behaves the way that I was behaving. But she she backed you. No, we split that up. We it. split up pretty yeah, soon yeah. after that. It wasn't because of that, but yeah. But that's a very different conversation, though, Roesh, because you would be, what, 21, 20, 21? Mm, yeah. Maybe even 18 or 19. And also, this was in, what, the late 90s, yeah. early 2000s? Yeah. This is 2015. <laughs> so understand that I am 29 years old, and CDs are, by this point, an almost entirely obsolete yeah. media. Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's amazing that you didn't have to order it in to, get, also, to go pick well, up. I could have ordered it in. I went, I wanted <laughs> yeah. the experience of going to HMV because when I was a kid and you would buy albums, you I would go into Croydon and get them from HMV or whatever. There was Virgin and all that stuff in Croydon. I'd get them. And on the bus home, you'd like read the liner yeah, notes. Yeah, yeah. yeah And sure. it would, it, you know, I, I, the, the thing feels like a sort of, it felt like an experience. And so I really wanted to, I, I loved Good Kid Mad City so much that I was like, uh, you know, I have a feeling this is going to be a real moment. So I'm going and to make HMV. it. As, yeah, that's great. So hold on. How did you, how did you, how did you travel to, how far was the HMV from your house? I used to live uh, 10 minutes walk from one. So you walked over there, sort of buzzing yeah. as you're doing the walk. As you, as Absolutely thrilled. Telling everyone what you're doing. So, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Nice to see you. K-Dot's got a new album out. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, just, off, just off the pimp a butterfly, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Boy, I'm a good kid in this mad city. <laughs> and then you walked into the shop, and then what did you do? Yeah. Did you go and find where it was on the shelf, or did you actually ask for it? What was uh, what... no, no, no? It was on the shelf. It was because it was, you know, it was a big release, so it sure. was, it was on, and there was no one in the shop because it was 2015. It's 2015. It's HMV, <laughs> yeah, and, I, yeah. and nobody's buying CDs. <laughs> yeah, nobody's buying CDs anymore. Yeah, so yeah. I got, I got it, took it home, and listened to it straight through. And I think the nice thing about it is that there's a point in your life where I think if you listen to things between the age of sort of. 13 to 21 mm-hmm. I think your brain is still forming mm. and there's like an excitement you know there's like an excitement that you feel like you're discovering something and you the love that you have for those things never really shifts uh, throughout the rest of your life regardless of how your tastes change there's an affection for those things you know if I if for me because of my taste in music it is weird stuff so I'd be like oh electric ladyland I'll never forget where yeah. I was in 1968, when Jimmy <laughs> Hendrix released, you know, like because of my like strange experience. But there's a point where you think, oh, I, I don't know that I'm capable of enjoying things in the same way. Like I still love stuff, but I don't know whether there's anything that's going to make me like inspire me to be mm. that kind of. And when I listened to that album, it completely reawoke that side of my personality. 
I, I thought I'd stopped being able to be that passionate mm. about any piece of culture, whether it's a movie or a TV show or an album. And it just reminded me that um, it made me feel that kind of that kind of excitement and uh, love for, uh, you know, it made, it made me realise that at no point will I ever be able to shift the 15 year old nerd. Yeah. Who used yeah. to go to Croydon Library to read biographies of Jimi Hendrix? Like you, like it brought me back to that person. <laughs> Do you ever? This is really, um, this is really quite depressing. What I'm about to say, but there have been there have been occasions when I've been experiencing something like a concert or something like that, and it's been really great. And the band I'm watching are excellent. And I and in my head, a little voice goes, "You really should be enjoying this more than you are." <laughs> like, <laughs> All the other way around when you're like starting to get too excited do you stop yourself from being too excited no i want that I, yeah. like what nishi's talking about that yeah. kind of i i i really love that, I, that i'm I always i cry when musicians have uh, come out on stage for the first time like because there's a part of my brain that's like oh my god i can't believe i'm actually seeing prince mm. in real life like i mean if i saw prince now i'd I'd cry for a different reason. But... Yeah, that would be. Yeah. If you didn't cry, that would be weird. <laughs> <laughs> but what, like, when I saw Prince, I just, I just burst into tears because I just couldn't believe it was. I'm, I was so excited and amped up, and I, but I was still capable of that for stuff that I was into when I was a teenager. But when I listened to Pippa Butterfly, I was like, nope, still that kid, <laughs> still that kid. Well, that's very, that's very nice. I, I hope I feel like that about something. But yeah, I'm I, trying the to think problem, what, what the, the last problem time for I me is that feeling. I feel like I, 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 it's very difficult for me to shift my image. I, I'm not, I've not got enough of an imagination that when I don't imagine you as a teenager, Ramesh, it's just exactly the same. Like, <laughs> like you as a 13 year old to me is like just a dour kid with a yeah. beard drawn on in felt. Yeah. <laughs> just really sort of indifferent about his birthday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. what is it a cake again yeah all right great surprise surprise there's candles <laughs> original yeah <laughs> you're you're at rupert's birth you're at rupert's 13th birthday you won't stop going on about his birthday <laughs> i bet he'll still be saying that going on about it when he's 47 <laughs> <laughs> do you know what i mean you're 13 grow up <laughs> are you like that at your kid's birthday oh yeah happy yeah. birthday two yeah. today jesus yeah you're 12 now do you really do we need to keep doing yeah. this <laughs> here's your present yeah there you go <laughs> no well, when you get into double figures you've done you've done absolutely nothing rule. to get yourself to this point but here's a present <laughs> <laughs> live show experiences have you been to see much live hip hop yeah I saw um, I saw Kendrick on the damn tour um, and I was, was that the I go to, no so I couldn't go to the London dates because I right. was I can't remember I was working so me and James Acaster went to Birmingham wow. because we could, like we just could, we were like well we have to we have it. to see yeah. him it's like yeah we've got you've got to see him because um, it's not just the fact that it's like To Pimp About Five is one of my favorite albums of all time I think he's incredible you also see that he has such a like sense of like visual spectacle mm. and you know there, there was a performance I can't remember which what award ceremony it was it might have been the vmas but he had this it was in the lead up to him coming here to do the damn tour but he had this like like climbing frame that he sat on fire and he had this like person doing like martial arts behind him and you're like the part of it's like i could quite like to see that like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and we we went 
to whatever it is, the National Indoor Arena maybe in Birmingham, which is slightly outside of the city. And so it's one of like those weird places where, um, you know, there's not really anything. You know, when gig venues used to be, like mm. the Astoria used to be right in the middle of town. Yeah, now yeah. everything is kind of in these sort of slightly sterile mm. uh, venues that exist in these. And there was like a big, you know, massive shopping centre next door. And there was a champagne bar in the shopping centre that obviously decided uh, that they would have like themed nights for whatever the gig was that was happening uh, in the arena. So obviously like, I guess if like Adele is playing there, they have this like video banner on the champagne bar that you can see from outside the shopping center. And presumably if like Adele is playing there, they're like, hello, it's me. Would you like a G&T or something like, something like that? Now, nice. now, Obviously. Did you, did you just freestyle that? Yes, uh, I did. Yes. Yes. Yeah, well, one of the greatest freestylers of our, our generation. Um, but the, obviously, Kendrick Lamar's particular brand of charged sociopolitical rap does not necessarily lend itself well to a, to a pithy one-liner <laughs> yeah. for a champagne bar in sure. Birmingham. Yeah. And what they went with was, we've got fun, fizz and good times in our DNA. Oh, oh my no. goodness. <laughs> That's incredible. Could you imagine if that was if that was the actual song? <laughs> the the meeting that bar had to come to that as well. What were the other what were some of the other ones? Bitch, sit down, be humble with a glass of champagne. <laughs> Acaster and I I've got a photo of Acaster just losing his mind laughing. Because we could not believe it. We <laughs> truly could not believe. I worry sometimes that as I'm about to leave this mortal plane, one of the last things that will pass through my mind is the memory of seeing we've got fun, fizz and good times in our DNA. Well, look, Nish, we are, we are out of time here. Um, I mean, you know, that's a, a fabrication. We've done the time that we've allocated to do this podcast. Um, <laughs> we've not, you, you're not, like, the climate crisis is not no, no, there's no, there's no real reason to end this, apart from we, we decide to end it about an hour. Um, but what, what are you listening to at the moment? What I'm listening to at the moment, I just heard Dave's new album. Right. Uh, which I thought was absolutely great. Um, I'm listening to whatever tidbits we're getting from the new Little Sims album as well, mm. which sounds, I mean, absolutely incredible. I was in Sao Paulo eating palm heart and I couldn't believe my surroundings. Sure, I got the ends of me listening to Heady getting gassed in the mountains. No time for the first trap, nigga. I'm quenched. I drink from a different fountain. Hard food when I serve that. All these little fish get fried and your gam get pounded. Might be a brat for a bit Fuck your blunt man, I want my spliffs Want my farm and I want my chicks Want my suit tailored by Gucci First class to Shibuya for the sushi Give me my checks and give me my plaques Want breakdowns and I want my stats Conto Yeah, yeah, God flow Make you wanna dance all day like Alfonso I am uh, also I'd, I'd, I'd never heard Made in the Manor by Kano And so I've been listening to that a lot um, and I had a long conversation with a friend of mine about Watch the Throne mm. on Sunday, and I have, probably haven't listened to that album since it came what, out. So what probably was the like, gist of the conversation? Well, they'd seen the Watch the Throne live tour. We were sort of talking about, you know, I would say once a month, I have a two-hour conversation with someone about Kanye, and that <laughs> and our complicated relationship. <laughs> I speak about Kanye like I speak about a troublesome member of my family. Yeah, I talk about him a lot. So, yeah. right? He's 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 a, he's, he's, he's a compelling subject matter until now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> 
Well, look, Nish, what if we obviously MASH is coming out? When does MASH start? MASH starts on September the 2nd. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am also going on tour in February 2022. What's the name of the tour? The name of the tour is Control. And there are also two uh, comedy albums that you can listen to on uh, all major platforms. They're called uh, It's In Your Nature to Destroy Yourselves, parts one and two. They're huh. two comedy albums. And I mean, I, I, I don't think I've ever mentioned this before, but the track names are uh, a sequence of numbers that denote the date of the recording. And the structure of those numbers is uh, exactly the same as the tracks from Untitled Unmastered. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> oh and this god. whole time, I've known that I was going to say that, and That's I was excited so to see His the disgust in Ramesh's face when I told him that the numbers that I took the numbering system from Untitled Unmastered because over this, those two shows, Untitled Unmastered had come out, and I had used a lot of the songs heavily in like the pre-show music playlist and i also thought i wanted to like specifically denote that this was recorded on this particular time and i was like this will be my kendrick tribute and i i was excited to tell you that because i <laughs> find it i knew you would be so disgusted <laughs> oh man that is for, amazing. For the, for the edit, should we do a really positive response to that? No, I don't oh, no, want there to be a positive response. I only want, all I want is Ramesh looking <laughs> disgusting. And, oh, and also the other thing I should plug is somewhat inexplicably, uh, I have, I am appearing on a rap album. Hello. Uh, by LaRange, who is the amazing producer. Oh my God, are half, you serious? How yeah, the hell is this? one half of Marlowe. Fuck you. How has that happened? <laughs> <laughs> he messaged me. I, I we're all big fans of Marlo. Uh, Marlo one and Marlo two. Yeah, two of the best albums that come out in the last ten years. And I was tweeting about how much I liked it, and I followed them both on Twitter. And then he, Laurent, sent me a message saying, "I've just worked out that you were on Taskmaster." <laughs> he loves Task. He loves Taskmaster. Him and his wife love Taskmaster. <laughs> and so. He he sort of messaged me saying, "I'm doing this album, and do, would you would you do something for it?" Now, just to be clear, I cannot emphasize this enough. I am not rapping on it. Sure, I'm just. Uh, it, it's called "The World Is Still Chaos," but I feel better. Um, and it comes out on the third of September. And I have done some. Uh, <laughs> Romesh is devastating. People, Romesh you can't <laughs> see him here, obviously, but Romesh he's is like absolutely upset, jealous, he's, angry, he's, upset. Furious. Laurent's like Marlo Marlo 2 is like legit one of my favourite albums. Imagine me chilling, throwing dollars at my feelings, trying to mirror what they living, could have did it, but they just ain't me. Hold back just in case a brother flip don't read. Hard pass, got my lane, I remain not the same. Swear the day I started popping, I would take more aim. Used to love her like my game, now she way too common. I came back a second time to set the world on flame. Had some years left on the docket, had to chill until my stock was up. Always caught in something, used the hells for the inspiration. I just need some mitigation. Old days partner had the whole cave levitating. So when he asked me to do it, I was genuinely like, I was so thrilled. And so I'm very excited because I can't wait to hear the album. So it comes out on uh, September the 3rd. Um, And, (laughs) you know, I'm very excited about it. Ramesh truly at this point looks like uh, it's like the end of The Graduate. He's got this like glassy... Well, it's just, you know, but the thing is, I think to myself, you know, um, he wouldn't have wanted me on the album because I haven't done Taskmaster. I oh, know that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't like and you don't like hip hop. 
No. <laughs> and I haven't ever talked about the Marlowe albums. Oh, no, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get him on. Okay. Well, they're, they're also... Marlowe uh, are touring the UK uh, in September yeah. October. Well, I won't be so. going. Yeah. So, oh, shit. Disgust. Yeah. Oh, shit. Um, um, but listen, and- Nish, go on. What are you going to say? Oh, let's no. hear this. You're, you're doing the title track on Donda, are you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Kanye have put our political He's differences aside. <laughs> um, I just also quickly want to say hello to my cousin, Harry, who lives in Australia and loves this podcast. I spoke to him this morning and I said, I'm doing rubbish this podcast. And he was like, oh, my God. Him and his sister, Zara, love your comedy so much that it hurts my feelings every time. This is such a valiant attempt to make me feel better about your rap album. Yeah, yeah, he's trying to forget it. This is so fucking transparent. (laughs) Also, the first ever show that you would pull... What what makes you think (laughs) that 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 your cousin liking my comedy... From Australia. ...is going to the rage that I feel... (laughs) about you appearing on Laurent's album. You really think that is going to be any kind of a fucking sock to me? Anyway, thanks for listening, Harry. But yeah. <laughs> Oh, God. I really was enjo- I really had enjoyed it up to this point. There's a couple of low points. There's a couple of low points. Me referring to big boys at a pit bull dealer. Well, it's probably one of the low points. For sure as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, okay. God. Thank you so much, Nish, Thanks, for joining man. us. Listen, genuinely, absolutely delighted the mash is coming back, man. It's great. It's oh, great. thanks, man. So, um, and I hope it goes well. Um, and uh, we'll catch you on the flip. Fine. What an outro. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.